Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lovercaro, and this episode's guest is Oscar Jerome. Oscar Jerome is a staple member of the London jazz scene. In addition to being part of the collective Coco Roco and appearing on Many Friends projects, he's a solo artist with his own brilliant work. His debut album, Breathe Deep, builds a rich sonic world while speaking out about social greed and the treatment of refugees and celebrating the love of family. I have Oscar here on a Zoom call from his London flat. I can very much tell that you're someone who's big on giving credit where credit is due, and I mean that in two senses. Number one, obviously being a jazz musician, and more specifically being a London jazz musician, there is a massive spirit of collaboration in your scene. Like, everybody is on this album, even if they're not really listed in the features. If you go in and check who's playing on different instruments on the album, everybody's there. Um, That's number one. And number two, I know a little while ago, mainly during the height of our current discussions on Black Lives Matter, you were talking about the fact that being that you're a white person in the jazz world, that it's really important that you acknowledge that this is a genre that was mainly built by artists who are black. Yeah, definitely. Definitely important to, you know, acknowledge that and, you know, recognize what you have what you've gained from that and make sure that what you're doing is not just taking from a culture make sure that you're you're giving back and you know and being yeah helping to support so you see that like a lot of um there's a lot of artists and you know the industry is kind of set out to by a lot of people that kind of they prefer to promote music like black music with a white face mm-hmm. and that's um it's fucked up. You see a lot of, you see a lot of, um, a lot of artists that really don't reach the, the level of credit that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Definitely because of that. That's why we think it's, it's important to sort of dismantle this, the way that this whole music industry is run. I think in a lot of ways. I mean, there's just so much bias, and some of it's like very unconscious, especially when you have a lot of executive people that are white at the labels. And so maybe they don't really realize what they're doing. But then there's also kind of what you were saying before, how it's almost like these, there's this really shitty comfort level thing where like, it's as if people are much more accepting of seeing things come from a white person rather than a person of color and whether they realize it or not. And that obviously needs to be addressed and changed. And I suppose a lot of that will come through representation in labels, people being hired, but also just like, I think supporting other like companies supporting 
grassroots, like, like black owned labels and stuff. And like, um, yeah, because like the, the status quo of a lot of this stuff has been the same for like for so many years. But a lot of the, the people that are kind of still there are not really up to date with what's going on in the world. Yeah. And like with their artists that they're supposed to be representing and stuff like, yeah. But going back again to specifically your collaborator, collaborators, sorry, like everyone from Joe Armand Jones, Moses Boyd, and I can't think of a lot of other names at, um, at the top of my head, not because I'm not aware of this scene, but because I don't actually know who's specifically on this album. All I know for sure is that the list is definitely long. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a, a lot of people, a lot of, um, a lot of friends that I've been playing with for years. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, it's not really like a necessarily always a conscious thing. It's just kind of like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, great musicians around me when I write something I think oh yeah that'll suit this drummer's playing or you know this trumpet player or whatever and I'll just call them up and be like do you want to do you want to do you want to play it's just my mates really so yeah also is it just me or is everyone just sort of on everyone else's albums in the jam uh, in the jazz scene like Jarman Jones is starting today is a record that I have on vinyl in the other room and you're on that I remember seeing Nubaya Garcia playing at Green Man a few years ago, and Joe was there playing with her. The guys in Ezra Collective just do a million different things. Shavaka Hutchings is in a bunch of different collectives. Like, Is that just sort of built into your group of friends, or is that something more within jazz itself? Um, it's just, I mean, it's just being part of a scene, really. Like, I'm sure the same, well, I know the same thing happens in other places. You hear like the same people on like different people's records and stuff. It's it's just yeah. It, it's weird because I feel like now that a lot of people have got a lot more commercial success, it started to um, yeah, it started to kind of people are now labeling it like oh yeah you've kind of you know everyone's doing all these things together like they must be thinking about it or whatever. But it's it's just kind of it's just kind of evolved and it never really felt like a big deal to be honest until suddenly like lots of people were kind of like you know you're bumping into your friends on like the other side of the world or whatever and yeah but it's just always been a collaborative thing and I think that's it's the beauty of the kind of music well music in general especially music that's like kind of people very deeply getting into their instrumentation like their instrumentalism like you crave to play with different people and you know you have the ability to sort of communicate in that way with lots of different lots of different um yeah musicians like i don't always want to play with the same people like, i want to i like to switch it up because it's fun i mean i'm not the greatest expert on jazz but i was lucky during my time in london to i guess be exposed to the scene there and it is such a genre that's based on, for lack of a better word, a sort of call and response. Like, it's very much, I think, more than any other genre of music about the way that the instruments communicate. And yeah, I just think that jazz does that more than any other type of music. And it doesn't feel like 
it's a matter of trying to have like quote-unquote clout or trying to you know collaborate with people that are famous to name drop it feels like it's just about you know being excited to work with other people that are amazing at what they do you know yeah it's not really like there's not really like big egos in the scene well, there's a there's a couple but people who are actually involved like we do lots of stuff together generally yeah there's not really any ego there which is great like it's just nice to you know just make music for a love of it rather than thinking about how it makes you appear or you know comparing yourself to other people and stuff so yeah feel lucky to be around some some yeah some good people good well getting more i guess into the album itself it's an album, I would say, that really deals with two main sets of themes. One is more the political side of things, talking about greed, a lot about hypocrisy, some of the hypocrisy that comes with our like Western yet Christian world. And then there's another side of it that deals more with your own sort of headspace. So first off, I want to talk about the former, um, particularly religion and references to religion. Um, there's a lot of references, again, to Christianity, but specifically in your lyrics. Like, there's a lot of references to fish, which is a very prominent Christian symbol. There's a line, for example, from Son for Someone, which is pull the blessings out your mouth with a fishing hook, which is probably my favorite line on the whole album, by the way. And then in Your Saint, you say you've placed a coin in the mouth of your loved one so that they can be ferried across, which... You know, there's images of a fish with a coin in its mouth in Christianity representing good fortune. Um, is any of that fair, I guess, to talk about? Yeah, I mean, um, the, your saying is definitely has references to religion. Um, like a lot of the imagery is taken from like the Old Testament and also uh, Greek, Greek mythology as well that is talking about um refugees and kind of it's like making comparisons between like a lot of there's a lot of very uncanny comparisons to do with uh like the, the journey that a lot of refugees take um and the journey that is like along the river the river sticks uh in like the old testament and like even to like where the river is supposed to start in Greece and where like a lot of people like end up when they enter Europe and stuff and um it, but it was kind of like it was basically it's kind of um commenting on the fact that like a lot of countries that are supposed to be based on Christian values are then un completely unable to show compassion to people that are fleeing war and poverty um when obviously love thy neighbor and that so yeah it's just a comment on that i mean i think you've always got yeah got to tread carefully when uh you know addressing these things but it's like yeah it's, it's a comment on 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 society more in a way but yeah a lot of religious imagery it doesn't really feel like a dig at religion itself, though. You know, religion can be a really beautiful thing. For example, I'm very lucky I go to a church here that is LGBTQ affirming and is really vocally pro Black Lives Matter. 
but unfortunately there's a lot of versions of faith that aren't very healthy and they really speak the loudest like particularly here in the united states right now you know we have this sort of very cruel incorrect i would say version of so-called faith and it's about putting people it's excluding people rather than loving and caring for all yeah well that's just i think it just always comes with greed doesn't it like people people will mold these things to serve them um it often can kind of lose the the original point of it but yeah yeah Speaking of the original point, I think the brother portrait on your saint paints that really well because, I mean, he even refers to God in prayer a lot in his verse, but his verse is from the perspective of refugees, and it sort of sort of shows that, again, I mean, whether you pray to the same God and you interpret a religion different ways, or even if you don't at all, the, the original message of most faiths or of just being a decent human being is that people shouldn't be cast aside because they're you know suffering and dealing with all the same things that we are so we should be able to care for them and include them yeah 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 definitely yeah brother portrait is like one of the most amazing lyricists like ever i think <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh yeah he needs to get more music out in the world because yeah he's um I mean, but that's not really why he does it. That's not the reason that he that he does it. You can see that it's for him. You know, it's it's that's life. It's that's life. Like you can, he's living it. So like, and I, that's I love that when I see that in people. That's like what you're saying about them not not having egos, like the musicians and stuff. It's like this not a facade. Like we're all kind of living this stuff. Like we're all like. I'm not saying like obviously the content of what he's talking about, we're not living that, but I mean in terms of like just the uh, it's it becomes a part of your just your your life, the art, rather than it being like just a job, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean all the conversations that I've been lucky to have with this podcast, in them I always make a point to try and talk about like the real things because music is so intrinsically attached to our lives and the things that we think about day to day the things that we go through are what influence our music and people who don't do it for their ego to your point i guess are the people that can be the most honest and do it so successfully yeah but the ego gets wrapped up in it i can't i can't yeah if i am actually completely honest like you see that happen like it's, it's it's hard to not let it happen in in the in the music game like uh, because people are just trying to push you in that direction all the time make it so much like revolving around you your image your name like having this constant output of you and your kind of uh yeah an idea of yourself and i think it's very easy to get wrapped up in that and start comparing yourself to people and stuff so it's important to be able to like be able to take a step back if you feel that happening to yourself, sure. Totally. And not to say that this hasn't been a thing for decades and decades and decades, because it's just, it's the entertainment industry and it's always been so forward facing. But I guess in today's day and age, especially with social media, you have to be able to face outward to a lot of degrees. Like, even though I'm someone 
who has doesn't exactly have a lot of followers on Instagram and I'd like to think that I'm a pretty genuine person. I mean, we all get a few likes on a photo and we're like, oh my god, this is so great. And it's yeah. really <laughs> meaningless. Yeah, it's just spreadsheets, really. It is indeed. Well, I guess not exactly on the same topic, more following up from where we were at before, but rather than focusing now more on like the religious side of things, I want to talk specifically about the money and greed and capitalism, which is another thing that shows up a lot in the album. The main song that I think of in that case would be Give Back What You Stole, which you actually released about four years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was a... Uh... We did a little rework. I'm kind of, yeah. No, it's, it's just something we've been playing a lot and it's kind of evolved into something else. So, um, yeah, we were kind of, and also it kind of feels quite relevant to them. I mean, it's always going to be relevant, to be honest. <laughs> we hope, I hope that we can dismantle capitalism one day, but I don't know if that's going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. about that either. I mean, I think we're probably about the same age, so if it's not happening in your lifetime, it is not happening in mine either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that tune, it was written, I wrote it originally during like the LIBOR scandal in uh, the UK, um, which like our bankers were kind of like... Uh, messing with um uh, statistics of like oh man i can't explain this <laughs> you got this i'm too tired uh basically yeah they had more money than they did and it ends up like stealing stealing money from people um but it just kind of it's more of a general a general uh thing about yeah just capitalism and the idea of kind of ownership of you know, ownership of the world, thinking that you are above the um, uh, kind of the natural forces of the earth, when obviously at the end of the day, we're all going to die. We're all going <laughs> to, we're all going to end up in the same situation. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, viewing yourself as someone so important. Yeah. Like what's the line in sun for someone? It's like uh, the earth will sigh as it watches us die. It's like your point, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, all the things that we've accumulated and all our belligerence doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, depressing stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I don't know if it's just me, but I get the sense that you sort of call yourself out a little bit on Sun for Someone. Because there's that line, there's a tornado in my teacup which is very much, you know, focused on your one's own problems, unless I'm totally getting it wrong, but. You know what, sometimes I have to like go back to my lyrics and be like, actually, what did I think of you? What was I saying when I first wrote it? <laughs> You're um, cryptic, so fair enough. Yeah, sometimes it kind of changes meaning for me. But um, yeah, I suppose it's like, that's like saying, you know, people say it's a storm in a teacup. It's not a big, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But like the tornado in the teacup is like kind of getting out of control. That's kind of what I was saying by that. Okay. What do you mean specifically? So like, you know, you can viewing, it's kind of like with, with that and to do with like, I suppose climate change and stuff. A lot of people often view climate change, people, especially people in the western world can often view 
climate change as something that is going to happen that has not arrived yet um that's something that is kind of that it's not happening right now but there's a lot of people in a lot of communities in different countries that are directly affected by it right now and i feel like a lot of the rhetoric around it is quite like centered on kind of you know uh wealthy white people in the west basically and uh but that was kind of like saying like you know this is already out of control like things are about to spill over if we don't pay attention and realize that you know it's already affecting other people and soon enough it's going to hit us even harder if we don't behave ourselves which you know we're all super optimistic about that happening given the current state of the world but anyway i'm trying not to hold on to too much cynicism anymore because like obviously stay informed and stay active but i think even in the last few months it's been very easy to be cynical well you gotta find ways yeah you gotta find ways to preserve your own mental health in order to be able to stay present in a situation like mm -hmm. like with any kind of activism or anything like you, yeah uh you can't if because if you burn yourself out then you're not you're not really of any use so it's gotta be you gotta approach these things in like a in the most measured way you can obviously it's going to be filled with a lot of anger and um it should be and passion but yeah that's something i suppose i'm trying to work out to do yeah. mm -hmm. i mean i think we always will be and that's okay i think also that more and more we're finally having that conversation like during one of my last episodes, I was talking to Katrin from Another Sky, and we were talking about how, like, taking care of your mental health and being an activist are two separate things. They really feed into each other, and, you know, they give you a sense of control for your mental health on one hand, and then your mental health being good helps you to have the energy to fight for, for what's right. Yeah, sure, definitely. The last few months, just getting completely exhausted and burnt out and having to be like, you can't just gotta disconnect for a while and like that's necessary as well sometimes but you know gotta be yeah it depends how yeah how far you take it because obviously some people can use it as an excuse to not to not be present showing their support and that's that's a whole that's a whole another thing but <laughs> yeah again i think it's something that people do to protect themselves and we're having more and more conversations about realizing, again, we can't avoid pain, we can't avoid fear and anger, that, because, like, again, if we do, it gets us nowhere, but we can also give ourselves space for a moment just to be like, okay, I need to breathe, and then when I'm ready, I'm going to go back, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's got to be a bit of both. Well, I guess going from the more activism-leaning side of the album to the more self-side, the second half of the album, I find, is where things really turn inward. There you have Koi Moon, you have Gravitate, you have Timeless, and then you have Joy Is You, which all deal more with either yourself or your family. Yeah, or, yeah, love, love life. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I remember reading somewhere that some of your music was about setting yourself up for, like, being okay with disappointment or failure, and I almost got that sense from Koi Moon. Was that any of what influenced the writing of that? Nah, that was just straight up falling in love. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's got, uh, I feel like everything I 
do has got like a no no actually no I know what you mean that was like it's kind of like oh I don't know if this is like if this is right this is what I need but you know sometimes you just gotta go with your feelings Mm. um yeah hmm and I mean, when you get to gravitate, it does feel like it's a lot more self-assured as a song. Like, it's very celebratory in a sense. Mm. That song is a kind of a message to someone else. Um, but just wanting them to be able to see the kind of beauty and power in themselves that other people can see from the outside. Basically, it's kind of what I'm saying in that. A lot of, like yeah astronomy based metaphors but yeah that's kind of the general gist of it yeah like there was that line i think it was like gamma rays are stronger than paper what did that one mean i was trying to wrap my head around it a bit gamma rays speak more than paper yeah kind of like uh it's like the forces of the outside world or i like uh kind of speak more than you know what can be written down about it you know, mm. yeah like yeah <laughs> that makes sense i think it like, does i think somewhere in there yeah i mean it's like again you can't, like, you, can't you can't always like uh intellectualize everything no. every situation every feeling and uh sometimes it's just better to kind of like you know, trust yourself on things mm. rather than trying to intellectualize them. Yeah. Yeah, something very spiritual about that. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. Whether I think it was intended or not, it has that energy for sure. Getting, I guess, the last two songs in, I mean, these ones are just, like, so sweet. I was just so happy listening to them because they're just so much about, you know, like, how love is the thing that can kind of hold us together. And it doesn't really ever lose its power. It's kind of like the song says, it's quite literally timeless. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that song for my dad. Um, Yeah, that was after my granddad died last year. Kind of like viewing, um, viewing kind of your relationship with someone, no matter how the roles kind of might, change or whatever being able to view them like as a constant and remembering them as like throughout your lives together rather than just like viewing them as the last memory that you have of them I suppose um yeah (laughs) that's sweet it's kind of like rather than seeing it as an end it's something that lasts, like that love and that comfort that you got from that person don't go away, even if they pass. Yeah, or not even necessarily that, like even when someone is, is alive as well, like just, I don't know, just remembering them in every way that you can. Like, I don't know, like now, obviously like my relationship with my parents is very different to how it was when I was a kid, hmm. you know, and I would look up to them as like these like kind of all-knowing like very you know people that kept me kept me safe and stuff and like obviously you reach a point when it's kind of like it's on you to be able to navigate the world and make understanding of understand things um which is good as well because obviously 
your experience is going to be different. But um, I don't know. But being able to like hold on to a bit of that as well, and then I don't know, just yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So given that it's such a personal song and that it's one that's so, again, like tied to your family, why was this the one to bring Leanne Lahavas on? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I know I thought about it. I was like, maybe this is like, yeah, it's quite a personal tune. Like maybe it's one for me to keep on my own. But then I kind of was like, you know, what I'm talking about is probably something that everyone experiences throughout their life. So kind of kind of makes sense to you know to get someone else to be involved with it as well mm-hmm. and um yeah I just kind of I could just hear her on it when I was singing it I was just like oh yeah this would really suit her her voice I would love to hear her like harmonizing this part with me and yeah she, she just came through and, and smashed it as usual yep <laughs> never disappoints yeah I would expect her to. I was listening to her new album recently, just, you know, slowly losing my mind because it's spectacular. And, like, to your point, like, you actually said something about this earlier, talking about collaboration, how you really, really pick out people that you just know are going to fit a certain song or that you just really want to interact with on a certain song. And she, I mean, obviously her voice can do, like, a million different things, but on its softer side it can be so comforting and so lovely to listen to that it just it kind of encapsulates the feeling that you wanted it to have like it just feels like a hug you know yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so like, i was a little scared in a way to be seen <laughs> although like she's a really she's a good friend of mine and like yeah very supportive of me um but yeah, obviously it's nerve wracking. I don't really view myself as a, well, I do now, but I've struggled to be able to view myself as a singer. Like I've always thought of myself as a guitarist that sings rather than <laughs> like a guitarist and a singer. So yeah, then being like alongside someone that I probably think is one of the best, well, definitely one of the best vocalists in the UK. Obviously best is very, um, what's the word? It's subjective, but yeah I was just but actually yeah came out good yeah yeah (laughs) yeah fair enough she I mean she's just unbelievable and I would argue that she's one of the best vocalists like beyond the UK to her credit and to your point when did you finally start to I guess embrace yourself as a singer as well like what has helped you get I'm still working on it to be honest like shout out Daisy Bo, my singing teacher. She is really, really doing doing wonders for my confidence. Um, but I'm still still working on it. Yeah, to be honest, like it's just something that I've never really been able to like practice in the same way. I've never been able to motivate motivate myself to practice in the same way that I practice guitar. I don't know why. And I've, it's yeah but since like lockdown and stuff i've really been trying to i've been getting into it a lot more i've had a lot more time to focus on it and realize that if i'm going to do this the rest of my life like i need to really i need to go in on the singing because otherwise like i'm gonna end up with like some husky like bass voice by the time i'm like 50 and like not be able to yeah Yeah. you're gonna be like leonard cohen like who's like yeah focus lyrics by the end of his career 
Yeah, it's like I saw, like I went outside, is it Victoria, yeah, Victoria Park, when Bob Dylan was playing there, like, I don't know how long it was, about five years ago. Okay. Wait, was that Victoria like, Park or Hyde Park? I think it was Victoria Park, you know. Was, if it was maybe BST, it was Hyde Park. If it was BST, it would have been Hyde Park. I feel like it would have been that. Maybe it was Hyde Park. I don't know. It's, like vague, it's quite a vague memory. Just me and my friend just went because we were like, we didn't get a ticket, but we just wanted to hear Bob Dylan singing. Um, but yeah, his voice was, I mean, no disrespect to Bob Dylan because he's like obviously incredible and like, you know, everything he's done uh, is amazing. But like, yeah, it was just like, ah! <laughs> I was like, wow. And uh, yeah, to make sure that my voice isn't like that by that age yep. but I suppose he's pretty old isn't he to be fair it's pretty impressive that he's still going yeah again I mean it was the same thing with Leonard like I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan and I'm also from Montreal which is the city that he's from so again no disrespect to either of them it's just like to your point you want to take care of your voice and you want it to to get better and stronger rather than going in the opposite direction you want to be able to sing your songs as well like you don't want to write stuff that you can't <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to write stuff that you can't um, sing. Like, it's like that tune actually with Leanne. I'm like, whoa, that's like, I've actually written quite a hard thing to sing and I've had to be, I've had to practice it quite a lot. Like, yeah, so it goes quite high. Yeah, well, you rose to the occasion because it sounds really solid and your voices actually match each other quite well. Yeah, I think they do, yeah. Just, yeah, listening back, I was like, oh, this works quite well. It really does. Well, getting into the final song on the album, which is Joy Is You, I know it was a very special one to you. Uh, it's about your little nephew. Um, yeah, Baby in the Bluebells, which is like the sweetest little lyric. Um, it's a really hopeful note to end the album on as well, especially considering some of the things that you talked about earlier, which are like, you know, so focused on greed and excluding people. And now you're talking about this little kid who's just so full of love and full of innocence and how how special that is and how much more, I think there's a line in it that talks about how much more sense that makes than the world that we live in. Yeah, yeah, because he was, so, my, yeah, so my nephew, when he was born, I was like, he's six now, yeah. Uh, okay. So I wrote that song quite a long time ago. It just existed just as a kind of a therapeutic kind of thing in a way I don't know I never it never really felt right to put it out because I was like it's very it's just personal and you know I have songs that I have done right I write that aren't necessarily for the world to hear it's just more of like a thing for myself or for other people um but yeah it's it's kind of it's talking about here like my nephew and like yeah his kind of yeah innocence and stuff but also it's a lot of like a reference to like past people in my family as well um and the kind of like carrying on their like they're like carrying them on through the new life in the family and like kind of imagining uh it's like kind of imagining like my grandma looking through the window at us while we were <laughs> there with him when he was born. Um, yeah. A line in that, actually, I realise it sounds like I'm saying the parsnips at the window, but I'm like, as the past looks through the window. <laughs> but 
but I, I realized that like after, yeah a bit too late to change it so it became a little joke we thought about making a music video for that where I was there was like a parsnip that just kept appearing at the window like every like like every so often it was freaking me out and then I end up like having like a fight with a parsnip but it wouldn't have really matched the yeah the theme of the song at all no that sounds a little but, too acid trip and not enough like you know yeah nice song maybe, about your family that for another tune yeah but it could work for sure it could work there you go. just again yeah. save it for later yeah yeah but i'll save enough the archives yeah there you go i'm sure you've got plenty of ideas that when you're ready to share them you can sneak a few parsnips in <laughs> Breathe Deep is out now and can be heard wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lepercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.